This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Governor Ivey has filled a spot on the Alabama Board of Pardons and Paroles. Ivey selected the Director of Operations within the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles. Gabrielle Simmons is to serve on the board now. Simmons began her career within the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles back in 2004 in Montgomery as a probation and parole officer. She then moved up through the Bureau to become the operations director in 2020. The vacant seat on the Alabama Board of Pardons and Paroles has been open since this past June. A state senator who is also a doctor is speaking out early about the increase of COVID-19 cases throughout the U.S. and the increase of people who are putting on masks here in Alabama. State Senator Larry Stutz told 1819 News that he's noticed a few more people wearing the masks, and if they want to, that's up to them, but he's totally against a mask mandate. Stutz says too much advice was given out in 2020 that turned out to be totally untrue, such as wearing a mask or getting a vaccine to keep from getting COVID. Stutz says the decision to shut down businesses and to close schools was unnecessary, and he hopes those in leadership in the state have learned their lesson and gained more common sense. The state senator says that guidelines in a COVID resurgence are simple. If a person wants to reduce the chance of infection, wash their hands, and if they do get sick, stay home. State Senator Tim Melson has returned to work for his constituents for the first time since experiencing a cardiac arrest. Melson spent over a month in a South Korean hospital since the cardiac arrest occurred while he was on a legislative trip to that country. Melson returned to Alabama a few weeks ago, and this past Monday he took part in the Lauderdale County Agriculture Center Committee, of which he is the chairman. The director of 911 services in Mobile County has resigned from the position. This move from Charlie McNichol comes after he was arrested over the weekend and charged with a DUI. McNichol submitted his letter of resignation to the County Board of Commissioners yesterday. McNichol has had other similar arrests in the past five years. He was charged with a DUI in 2020 and public intoxication in 2018. The Mobile City Council has voted to release the police body camera footage that's related to the arrest and death of Jawan Dallas. City Attorney Ricardo Woods says the city is in the process of submitting the video footage to the district attorney's office first, which will then be shown to a grand jury. Once that criminal investigation is completed, Woods says that the Dallas family and their attorneys are entitled to see the footage as well. He believes it will take a few months for that to happen. The decision by the council comes after the mother to Jawan, Christine Dallas, appealed to the city council for more information on how her son died while being arrested by police this past July. Well, this is part three of the election fraud series this week. I'm going to start out with the findings of Dr. Charles Bernardin, who has a Ph.D. in molecular biology and a bachelor's of science in mathematics. Bernardin recently spoke at the election summit put on by Mike Lindell in Missouri, in which in which Bernard, in which he revealed the backdoor connectivity that all precincts in all states have to the internet due to the government accessing the first responder network, which is called FirstNet. Uh, So this diagram shows uh, everything going from the precinct to the cell tower, and it's all being done through LTE. Basically, the cellular modem at the precinct uh, connects to the cell tower, and we have evidence, at least in Dallas and other places, that the cellular modem is also connected to... uh, the tabulators. And so this gives bad actors, we don't know who they are, the opportunity of actually changing our vote in real time. 
Dr. Bernardin then spoke with New Mexico attorney David Clements, who's been working on election fraud for quite some time, and they drilled down with further details while talking on the Conservative Daily podcast. When did FirstNet first appear on the scene? FirstNet had two phases. In 2012, it was the First Responder Network Authority, which is the governmental agency under the Department of Justice that was created under the guise of creating a national public safety organization, a communication system for that. FirstNet, the public-private partnership, was developed much later in 2017. At some point, the the FirstNet system expanded to elections as part of critical infrastructure, and I believe it was just a couple days before Barack Obama left office. Is there a two-way interface basically to allow information to go in and out of these networks at the election uh, in in our elections? Yes. Basically, what has happened is the requirement for a cellular modem has been institutionalized by the requirement of being able to connect to the voter registration database. And we've been sort of gaslit into believing that um, the only thing that thing is doing is checking on voter registration status. And what this research shows and asks the question is, well, what else might be going along? there. You have something like a 20 megabit per second capability across that cellular link. Could something else be happening? And you've shown, for example, that uh, in one of your previous presentations that, yes, indeed, in Dallas, the poll books were auto-incrementing their their vote count at and around uh, uh, closing time at the polls in Dallas. So things like that are possible because of the cellular link. And they may say that, okay, it's not connected to the internet, but it's connected to FirstNet. You know, so we're splitting hairs here. You know, FirstNet, it's worse actually, because FirstNet is a completely opaque system that you're never going to get any right to know. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. National news, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is warning Floridians along the western coast of that state to prepare for Hurricane Idalia to hit this coming Wednesday morning. There are models suggesting that this is going to take more of a westward shift uh, that could bring it into areas like Jefferson and Leon and Wakulla area even. And and people have known that this is a possibility, and I know all those counties are, are making preparations, uh, but that is something to, to, to look out for. The storm is expected to go up through Florida into Georgia and out into the Atlantic Ocean again after it first hits the Tampa Bay area of Florida. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise revealed this week that he is undergoing treatment for blood cancer. Scalise said that he was tested and diagnosed while on summer break from Washington, D.C. and back in his home state of Louisiana. 57-year-old Scalise says that the multiple myeloma is a very treatable form of blood cancer and that he will continue to serve in Washington, D.C. in the months ahead. Gold Star families of the 13 military service members who died in Afghanistan two years ago this month during the withdrawal of U.S. troops from that country are now unloading their frustration and anger on the Biden administration for their handling of the withdrawal and their lack of transparency with the families. 20-year-old Lance Corporal Jared Smith was one of those killed by a suicide bomber at Abbey Gate Airport. His father, Mark Schmidt, determined that he has held respectful silence long enough when it comes to his son's death and Joe Biden. Two years has gone by and where are we? To be frank, we're knee-deep in bullshit is where we are. Everyone who held a key position in the military still has that position or has been promoted. 
Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military, and I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more, light, more important to bite my tongue, but I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. While I stood there on the tarmac watching you check your watch over and over again, all I wanted to do was shout out, it's too fucking 30, asshole. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. You, sir, stole their lives, their futures, their dreams, and have ripped apart 13 families. You cannot even man up and admit that. A freedom of information lawsuit that was filed by the Southeastern Legal Foundation has resulted in over 5,000 emails belonging to Joe Biden that are being released by the National Archives. These emails from Biden were part of his vice presidential records, but were very elusive to obtain by regular information requests because Biden was using a pseudonym for those emails and his communications. Names like J.B. Ware, Robert Peters, and Robin Ware were the pseudonyms that Biden used. The House Oversight Committee has also asked the National Archives to hand over any communications they have that involve aliases that are between Joe Biden and his son Hunter. The more that data is being revealed in this case of the Biden family, the more proof there is that Joe Biden lied at every question about his involvement with his son's foreign business deals. Instead, the evidence is now confirming that Biden was the very point of the business deals that Hunter was conducting with Chinese, Russian, and Ukrainian entities. Hunter and the Biden family were given payments by these entities in order to gain access to Joe Biden and his decision-making powers as vice president within the Obama administration. A trial date is now set for Arizona Republican candidate Carrie Lake, who has been challenging the 2022 election results in Maricopa County. Lake ran for governor against Democrat Katie Hobbs in 2022. Lake has filed a lawsuit to acquire the mail-in ballot signatures that were involved in the 2022 election. Her two-day trial has now been set for September 21st and the 25th. Lake is calling it a step forward. Maricopa County attorneys were fighting the legal efforts by Lake and argue that ballot affidavit signatures are part of voter registration records and as such should be kept confidential. However, Superior Court Judge John Hanna disagreed with the argument and set up a trial date. COVID cases are coming back in the news a little bit, so now's a good time to play a recent video put out by Michael Yaden. He's the former vice president at Pfizer, who before the COVID outbreak in 2020 was adamantly opposed to the COVID-19 vaccine, as well as pharmaceutical companies who make the vaccine. When people tell you what they're going to do, don't ignore them. So when the UN and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab tell you that they've got a UN 2030 plan, with uh, sustainable development goals. I think there are 17 or 21 of them. And every one of them says, you won't be traveling. You won't have a private car. We won't be using international shipping to move goods around. Uh, there won't be any um, flights except military or perhaps very rich people. Uh, you'll be, you won't own anything and you'll be happy. You probably won't live in your own house. You'll be using much less 
uh, energy for everything, including heating, manufactured goods, and so on. When they tell you that, you should assume that they're serious about it. And so I think yes. COVID, I think COVID has been part one of a multi-act play that's going to take 10 years that will destroy the liberal democracies completely. We've already, if you think living in a democracy, now ask yourself who you could vote for that would change this. Because I don't think there's anyone you can vote for anywhere that would, is guaranteed things. Yaden was recorded by Wide Awake Media. You're listening to The Daily Detail. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 